today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. He says that in light of all that he's just said about Jesus, the way that you think must change. Peter is encouraging Christians who are suffering and they were thinking, this must be wrong. I shouldn't be suffering as a Christian. But Peter shows them, no, no, no. Christ himself suffered and by suffering, he brought you to God. And so if you are suffering and following Jesus, you're following in the footsteps of Jesus. And he reminds them that blessing and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Have you ever gone through a season that caused you to think that perhaps you've done something to upset God because of all the trials you've experienced? Pastor Ricky will be continuing his teaching through 1 Peter, explaining that Jesus himself went through severe trials and testings. So you, as his servant, shouldn't be surprised when you go through them as well. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you also. No servant is greater than his master. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part one of his message entitled, The Time is Short. I wanna start this morning with a memory. When I was about eight or 10, Somewhere in there, I began having a recurring nightmare as a kid. Anybody have recurring nightmares as a kid? I've heard about other people's recurring nightmares and it was they were being chased by somebody or they were underwater or they were falling. This was my recurring nightmare. The nightmare is my parents say, we're going to take you to the video store and let you pick out a movie. This isn't uncommon. If my parents went out on a date, they got a babysitter, I would often get to like go to the old castle video on the west side, uh, which is like 20 years gone, um, and pick out a movie. And so my nightmare was I got into the, actually I should probably explain this for the teenagers. These are places that they had a lot of DVDs and VHSs that you'd physically go there and it was a big store and you'd walk around and you'd take it to a live person at the counter and they would check it out and then you could take it home. That's what happened before Redbox, okay, or Netflix. And so you'd go into the video store, there's all these racks of movies, and I would hear over the loudspeaker in my dream, five minutes until closing, giving me only five minutes to walk the aisles and select the perfect movie. And so then in my dream, I would begin looking for this movie or that movie or trying to figure out, do I want to watch this or that? And then I would go and then the movie would be gone. And I'd be going, okay, well, what about this other movie? And they'd say, three minutes. And then I would go try to find another movie, and it would be gone too. And then two minutes, and I'd open it, and that movie was broken. And then all of a sudden, my mom's like, listen, Ricky, if you don't pick a movie, we're just going to leave. And I was like, no. And everything started getting like fun mirror-like, and, and the aisle started like wobbling. And I'm like trying to get a movie to watch, and the clerk's just like, you know, and... And my mom's like, hurry up, hurry up. And, and I remember waking up like, <gasps> this is my nightmare, okay? <laughs> I, as a kid, um, I was afraid of running out of time. Anytime we were in a situation where we're gonna run out of time, it's like a game or other, I had to make a decision by a certain amount of time, I would freak out, okay? Now, the funny thing, uh, a funny thing happened on the way through my college degree. I started out 
equally terrified with every class at the beginning of the semester that I would forget something or would run out of time or suddenly remember a paper was due. So I had all kinds of checklists and charts and alarms and backup alarms. And then one year, two years, three years, four years go by. And by my senior year, I was a little, I was a little looser. Let's just say that. I didn't get as stressed. You know, I, I kept track of the deadlines, but I wasn't constantly reviewing them. I wasn't haunted by the idea that somehow I could, you know, forget a paper. And then one of the last two semesters I had in college, it happened. At about 9 p.m., I realized while watching a movie that I had a paper due at midnight. And it wasn't like a one-page, oh, just express your thoughts and feelings paper, which, you know, those were lame papers. This was a real paper. I needed to have a bibliography and everything. So I remember this at 9 p.m., and I remember having an utter freak out and meltdown, thinking I am going to write a college paper that a professor will see in three hours. I am ashamed. That's, that's, what, that's what I felt like. My urgency backed off a little bit as I walked through college. Now, I think sometimes the same kind of thing happens to us as Christians. And, and here's what I mean. So we become Christians, or perhaps you grow up in a Christian family. Um, you become Christians, and, and everything feels so urgent, doesn't it? It feels like, oh my gosh, the realities of eternity are like before me. I, I believe in Jesus. Man, hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. My actions in this world really matter. People need the gospel. I need to live a holy life. There is an urgency. Time is short. Jesus could come back at any time. You, you feel kind of the urgency of these things, but what happens over time? Over time, you stop kind of thinking that way. And you think, well, you know, I, I could go to that, that, you know, that class at church, but, you know, I also have this other stuff I need to do. Or, or you know, I really, we, we really probably should be, you know, giving to, to causes for the church or for the mission work, but, you know, I, maybe not this year. Or, you know, this, this part of my calendar, you know, maybe God, I feel like God's maybe calling me to do something with it, but I, you know, maybe in a next, the next season of life. This is just a busy season, right? And so the urgency of our Christian life kind of, kind of uh, winds its way down. And even it happens with sin. So sometimes maybe you see a pattern of sin in your life and you think, um, I need to, at first you would have gone, man, I need to get after this. I'm gonna get in the Bible, prayer, accountability, everything. And then, you know, I kind of, as time goes on, you see an area of sin in your life and you go, yeah, yeah, I should, I should get to that. But we're three hours into a Netflix binge, man, and there's no stopping now. Like, see, Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, which is actually a letter, in this letter to the church, he knows this tendency in the church. And he writes, um, he makes, in this section, he writes and makes several statements about time. Now, He's writing, remember, to people that are Christians that are beginning to experience some level of persecution, some level of pushback from the culture around them about the fact that they don't like them being Christians. As we see in this passage, they're, they're maligned, they're slandered, they're, they're sort of um, cast off culturally. And so at the end of his letter, this is kind of the later section of his letter, we're winding down the, the content that he's giving us in this letter. Peter turns our attention to the clock and he points them to the clock and gives them some specific encouragements. 
So let's read this together in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to, li- as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, in today's passage, Peter points us to a ticking clock and the effect that it should have on our lives. And the big idea is really simple. If I could sum it up, I'd sum it up this way. Gear up. Time is short Let's go to work. We're going to give a flyover of this passage, and we're going to cover it in two sections. We're going to cover the mindset we're supposed to have, and then second, we're going to cover the actions that flow out of that mindset. So the first section is the mindset we are supposed to have. Peter says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. He says that in light of all that he's just said about Jesus, the way that you think must change. Peter is encouraging Christians who are suffering, and they were thinking, this must be wrong. I shouldn't be suffering as a Christian. But Peter shows them, no, no, no. Christ himself suffered, and by suffering, he brought you to God. And so if you are suffering and following Jesus, you're following in the footsteps of Jesus. And he reminds them that blessing and suffering are not mutually exclusive, that suffering does not mean no blessing, and blessing does not mean no suffering. And he points them to Jesus' example where nowhere is this truer, that the most blessed man ever to walk the face of the earth suffered for us for the purposes of God. And he says, since all of this is true, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, do this, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Now, this is military terminology. This, this evokes images of people getting geared up for battle. Now, again, this, is an exor- this message, I guess, is an exercise in how weird I was as a kid. But um, when I was a kid, my favorite parts of movies that were epic movies, either modern day or back in the day or nights or whatever, my favorite part of battle scenes was the battle scene, sure, but I love the parts where inevi- you know, inevitably 
they would go like, we're going to war. And then they'd have like a pounding score, like dun, 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 dun. And then, and then you see these guys like walking down to the armory and like grabbing swords off of the walls and grabbing like chain mail and putting it on. Or if it's like a modern day movie, they're grabbing M16s and magazines and grenades and, and stuff. And you're, and, and they grab more gear than is actually really necessary for whatever they're about to do. And at the end of it, you're thinking, how are they carrying all of that? But they, they gear up, right? They go down, they're grabbing weapons, grabbing defensive stuff, getting geared up for what they are about to face. Because it's foolish to walk into battle with nothing, right? I mean, you pity the guy that happened to be in the bathroom when the announcement went out and everybody got geared up and he walks out the front door going, oh no, like that's, you don't want to be that guy. And Peter says, listen, listen, in light of the fact that Jesus has done all of this, you need to gear up. But what's interesting is he says, I want you to gear up with a mindset. Now, a mindset doesn't seem at first like it's the most useful thing in the battle, right? Like, give me something physical. No, no, no. He says, this is what you need. You need to change the way you think. You need to take this way of thinking and arm yourself with it. So, so what is this way of thinking? What does he need them to arm themselves with? Well, the first thing he needs he wants them to arm themselves with is the knowledge that time is limited. He says, do this so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, just, just a note actually on verse one, um, where it says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. I don't want you guys to get distracted by that. So let me hit that really quick. Um, you may wonder, okay, well, what does it mean whoever has suffered in the flesh? Where I, I believe that refers back to chapter three and, and people that Peter has already talked about who are in the church who are suffering. And Peter says, if you're in the church and you're suffering, you've ceased from sin. Now, it doesn't mean that they will never commit any sin ever again. In fact, he's telling them not to commit any more sins. So that would be a bad translation. What he means is you've ceased from the pattern of sin. You've ceased from kind of walking down the road of sin full bore with no restraint. If you've suffered in the flesh and are following Jesus, you know that you've turned away from this sinful path. So you may commit sins, but you're not on a pathway of sin that leads to death. So then he says, in light of that, for the rest of the time, live differently. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means simply that as long as they're alive, they're to live differently, knowing that the time is limited. And it's limited by one of two things. Either Jesus will come back or two, they're going home to be with Jesus. The current life situation that they are in will not last forever. It is finite. It will end. Now, why even point this out? Well, because it seems like every pop song on the radio now proclaims stupid things like, we're gonna live forever, right? And when they proclaim that, they're, they're not like literally making a kind of a metaphysical statement or they're not in, you know, into some sort of spirituality. They're literally just going, we're parting our brains out and we're gonna do this forever, right? Now, they know that that's not strictly true, but when you're like super drunk and or high and the music is loud, it feels like, yeah, we're gonna live forever, right? Now, 
We, we hear that in our songs, but our whole American culture is built around trying to deny the fact that we won't live forever. <laughs> we do not like wrinkles or gray hair. And you know why? Because in every wrinkle, we hear tick, 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 right? Yeah. Maybe you feel like that tempo is speeding up. I don't know. <laughs> um, that gray hair you find in the mirror, as I have at the age of 30, you hear tick, tick, tick when the person cutting your hair like mine and, and goes, you know, your hair's getting a little thin on top. And you go, yeah, thank you. I tick, tick, yeah, tick. Uh, um. We don't like that. We want to believe we have unlimited time and everything's just going to keep going forever and we don't want to think about the fact that it's limited. Peter says, no, 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 you need to arm yourself with this. It is limited. Therefore, some things are true. Here's the first thing. That time is past. Verse 3, for the time is past that suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Now, Peter says that a certain time in the life of these Christians is now past. In this limited time that they have, they should not live as they once lived. And he gives them examples of uh, sensuality and sin. And he's not saying, okay, hey, that stuff was all good, but that's in the past, so don't even worry about it. He says, no, 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 that was bad. This time is limited. Don't spend this time that is limited going back and reliving what you were grieved by now. You cannot grow extra future hours and days and years. You don't know how much time you have. But what you don't want to do is spend it living it the way that you used to live. That time is past. Now, have you ever gone back and looked through an old photo album or some old photos on Facebook that kind of pop up suddenly and had this thought, what am I wearing? Has anybody ever had that thought? Or maybe you're just, you know, you're, you're seeing something pop, pop up and think, what was I thinking? Um, I remember it was a shocking moment for me growing up um, when I saw a picture of my dad, um, who's a cool, conservative, straight-laced kind of guy, um, wearing bright-colored bell-bottoms. And it sort of, sh like, it was just jarring. I just thought, oh my gosh, who is that? Now, I, I've... As I said, you know, turning 30 recently, I went back and, you know, Facebook and, and Google and all this stuff, they bring pictures from the past, like, hey, well, you might be interested in this picture. You know, have you guys ever had, have you seen that? So recently, I, I, there, a picture of me at age 20 came, came up through, like, the through, through Facebook algorithm. They thought that I'd be interested in it, I guess, turning 30 to look at what I looked like when I was 20. And my first reaction was, oh, no. <laughs> what was I thinking. Um, and in the same way, looking back on our past mistakes shouldn't make us go, oh, you know, that was kind of fun. You know, that was kind of fun before Jesus, when I was partying and hooking up or living this way. That was, that was fun. No, no, no. Peter wants you to look back on the past, on what the Gentiles do, meaning the, the pagans around them do, what they did, and go, that should be shocking to you. You should get a postcard from the past of what you used to be and think, no. No, I'm not going to spend my limited time going back and living that way anymore. It should be jarring to us. There should be 
a bitterness of looking back on our past and going, I resolve not to go there again. But then there's another component. Time is short and the end is near. I want you to see the, 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 the other major timestamp kind of phrasing in verse 7. So jump down to verse 7 for a second. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore live this way. So this passage is kind of bracketed by these two time statements. It starts out by saying, your time is limited, don't live like you did in the past, and here's a bunch of bad past behavior, and then it jumps to, the end of all things is at hand, therefore live this way in the future. So not only is time limited, not only does that make your past life bitter, but remember that the end is at hand. Um, in the Bible, the last days are all the days between Jesus' first arrival and his final return. Jesus coming inaugurated kind of the last days. We are living in the last days. That's why anytime somebody comes up and goes, Pastor, did you know we're living in the last days? I say, yes, we are. That's true, as we have been for the past 2,000 years. This is, this is the way the Bible speaks about this last, kind of this end of history that we are in. Now, listen, we do not know when Jesus will return. And, and look, we can get used to laughing off predictions of when Jesus will come back. Every, I mean, it seems like every year somebody comes up with, oh, I found a secret code and this is, this is why um, Jesus is going to come back. I was at the, the, the BSM and their, their, their library and they said they, they were getting rid of old books and the, some of the ones they got rid of were all the books that predicted like, had titles like why Jesus is coming back in 1988 or why Jesus is coming back in 2001. They figured that they were expired so they could just get rid of those, right? And we get used to that. We hear people proclaim this stuff and we're used to going, yeah, yeah, whatever. But church, it doesn't change the reality that Jesus can return at any moment and he will return probably when we least expect it. And we must remember that, listen, our own lives and our own end is at hand. We do not know how much time the Lord has given us. We do not know what accident or virus or car wreck to, could bring us to the feet of Jesus sooner than we thought. The end is at hand. And the implication from what Peter has said is not that when this life ends, well, it's just over, that's it, we cease to exist, but that when this life ends, our life with Jesus truly begins. And, and everything that Peter laid out in 1 Peter chapter 1, that we have um, eternal blessings and eternal inheritance that are kept undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven by Jesus for us, all of that, the door is open to all of that. That's what Peter means when he says the end is at hand. The end of this life and the beginning of our eternal life. So Peter says, arm yourself with this mindset. You need this to survive and you especially need this in suffering and trial and hardship. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. First Peter is one of those hard-hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. 
In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Countercultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio. Open.